Check one, two. Okay, happy Friday, everybody. Billy Garrish Experiment. Um, had the pleasure of sitting down with Tom Oberdorfer. Uh, happens to be a neighbor of mine down in Bethany Beach. But besides that, um, important fact, I guess, um, he uh, authored this book. Uh, it's called Winners Lose Two, about folks that have been successful winners, but like uh, part of their journey towards success is their how to cope with kind of catastrophic losing or just losing in general for like the everyday whatever person. Um, so hope you enjoy our conversation. Uh, wonderful man has lived a wonderful life. Um, and we talk all about that on the podcast. Enjoy. Dave Matthews Band, Ants Marching. It's just like, um, it's kind of one of the more famous Dave Matthews songs, right? I remember, what's the album with that? And like Satellite um, and Lover Lay Down. I mean, he's got a lot of like home run albums. But yeah. <laughs> I remember this was like one of the first. <clears throat> I was kind of very uh, serendipitous or ironic. Well, first off, I have Tom Oberdorfer here on the podcast and he just finished recently um his book his second book correct yeah uh winners lose two um t double o um and it's an honor to have have you on the airwaves and uh tom also happens to be a neighbor of mine down in bethany beach delaware when we're when we're down there um so we've i've sort of throughout the years we've crossed paths on the beach with dogs and such you know right. and, the, and the cross sticks right. but dave matthews it's so weird that like last night I was talking to a good friend of mine. She's like um, sending me these sort of links to these uh, different Dave Matthews songs. And I was like, gosh, and I was like, dusted off my sort of affinity for Dave. Um, Cause he's got, you can go down that hole. There's so many great hits. Oh yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, well, again, welcome. And uh, I read your book. Uh, Losers. Uh, Winners oh. lose too. And it's wonderful. And I was like, and I, I like, I like every story, but I also like your story. Um, maybe most um, of how you sort of got on the topic, you know? Um, and you, you write in your preface, I think um, or uh, yeah. on your preface about how on January 20th, 2019 at three Oh five, like most, I'll just read it. Like most football fans, I plopped down on my swivel chair in front of the TV to watch the new Orleans saints play the Los Angeles Rams in the Superdome. The winner would play for the super bowl two weeks later. Um, and that game, there was a, there was a, a tough call toward the end of that game. Right. Right. And there was, that was the, the sort of the blatant uh, defensive pass interference that didn't get called. Right. Yep. And you f- feel so bad for, I mean, for um, t- uh, Br- Breeze, uh, for first name, uh, Drew Breeze, right? Because right. he's never, he never got a Super Bowl. And right. this is like his, a great shot for him to get to the, the big dance, maybe again. Um, but uh, it just kind of got robbed. Um, but some things, you know, are out of your hands or out of your control. And then one of the of the game. But that was sort of like and then i think you say in your preface like 24 hour and within the next day or something is like all right i know what i want to write about or i have have this concept that i want to expound upon right yeah yeah it's uh, it's like uh i mean we both know it as athletes it's sort of like 
how do you get up after you have a devastating loss? Right. And keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I guess like the why you do it needs to be larger than the what has happened to you or something like that. Right. That right. kind of like gets you up the next day and is your motivation. Um, did you always sort of have a, I mean, you like writing and I love, I love hearing about um, how you and your dad wrote for like two and a half years, every Wednesday morning at nine. Yeah. Um, that was an incredible gift. What a gift. Yeah. Uh, you hear about like, people that have like a, these are ideas or something like that. Or it sounds like a good idea, but the follow through is everything. Um, yeah. and then to actually to, to stick with that date, you know, um, and now you're, you say your dad's passed, correct. Right. Right. And to have like, obviously to, uh, to hound your, your, your talent of writing, which is a very difficult process. Um, uh, and all but you know that and but like kind of most importantly maybe is like how you, how you got to know your father through that thing yeah i mean it's it's uh my dad was a judge so he knew how to write right i always thought like yeah i can't really do this like he can do it um right but what the hell and so you know we signed up for a class he invited me to take it and i thought well okay i'll do it yeah it got canceled because we were the only two and he had the book and he said, well, okay, let's just do it on our own. Yeah. So we did one exercise every week and then we'd read it to each other. And it was like, like you can't, you can't hide when you're writing because it comes out and yeah. uh, it just, it was such a gift of, uh, you know, A, I got to be a better writer, but B, you know, spending that kind of time with your dad for two and a half years is pretty precious. Yeah, yeah I think the, yeah, the use of the term gift is like maybe, yeah, it's the best maybe term for, for that experience. So there was a book, it was called What If, correct? Yeah, right. How, how did that, I'm curious, how did that book work? So it had... A different had different chapters that had different exercises or something yeah each whatever two and a half years is number of exercises 115 or something yeah um and some of them were stupid like you could only write in single syllables um you had to write from the opposite gender uh-huh um you know you had to write you know sentences that um were compounded you know um and basically then, like practice like for oh, the cross yeah. or whatever it might be it's like you don't really do a ground ball drill necessarily in a game but you pick up ground balls you know right right and it's like all right we're just Better. gonna work on this exact uh element of of writing whether it's one syllable or short sentences or long sentences or you know that's pretty that's interesting yeah. and it's just like yeah it's like being in the weight room or something you're just strengthening different muscles that all sort of surround your ability to write um do you uh yeah that's pretty cool and then <clears throat> yeah i mean also like kind of sticking with this idea like um and you get to know the person like you said you can't hot do i think you said something about that you can't hide in writing right no i mean yeah. it just i mean you know if you're writing something that's um technical obviously but right. if you're doing something that's creative you know even if you pick 
I don't know, a frog as a character, there's some reflection of something in that and you can talk about the frog or whatever and uh there's you and, there's you in the frog there's you and everything because you're yeah, yeah. you're kind of creating it and it's like i i do a fair amount of writing and um sometimes i'll write um and uh not hesitant but i'm like it's such an intimate thing and it's you don't sometimes you don't feel comfortable like sharing it you know because right. you're like you're bearing your soul and um, God forbid it has typos like your sunset, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. it, that, if it's, yeah, it got to be taken seriously. Um, but, right. uh, but still it's like, does this idea like resonate with people or do they're going to think I'm kind of crazy? You know, right. it's just, it's a, it's an intimate uh, thing, which is, uh, which makes it the writing and putting it out there a brave endeavor. Um and and I think again, I don't know if it was in the beginning or the end. I think it's about yeah, toward the end of your book, uh, and your sort of like your recollections or uh, acknowledgments. Um, you said something about how, uh, oh yeah, about the author. He recalls reading or hearing that an artist has an obligation to share their work with the world. It does not yeah. need to be the entire world, but some part of it. This book is his gift to others. Yeah, it's, yeah cool um so you did you have yeah did you know you kind of wanted to write a book like prior to sitting down to watch the saints no no did, uh, but that <laughs> that loss or whatever it's like maybe i can yeah. write I mean, these, sort I, of these I, vignettes yeah i just uh i like to dream dream yeah yeah and so you know, I thought, uh, whatever, this is unbelievable. I don't know how these guys get up. I mean, I, you know, I certainly lost enough, but it still felt monumental. And I also felt like we, the public, only hear about the victories. We don't hear about the struggles of how they've lost and how they get back up. Um, so I just, you know, it just sort of came to me. And then it was a question of, Okay, it's a dream. Could I really make it come to fruition? Um, you know, and, and initially it was like the big three baseball, basketball, football, maybe mm -hmm. hockey. And then, you know, I started running into people who said, Well, what about, you know, I know this person or this rower or diver. And I thought, Well, this, these niches are as interesting as the big niches and maybe more because mm -hmm. um, they're not the mainstream sports right yeah and that was um who, who was, what was the first sort of like a uh, uh, person you wanted to interview in your head or, or and you did well, say something about drew, drew Brees. Brees. you sent a letter to drew Brees, and it never got I did. I did send a <laughs> so that I was like your initial somewhere idea. in What's some that? file yeah 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 so the initial idea was like, hey, I'd love to get out because with the game and everything, I would love to right. hear his, how do you Drew Brees bounce back from such devastation? Right. Right. And that, he didn't necessarily get back to you. No. So that's a form of a loss, you know, if you want to use yeah, that. Yeah. Analogy. I mean, there were, I was close to talking to a lot of other people. Yeah. Um, like I, I had a, a contact with Earl Monroe. And I called him and spoke Earl to Earl the Pearl. Earl the Pearl. 
And I spoke to him a couple of times and he said, well, can we do it later? And I said, sure, I'll call you back. But it was always later. Um, so we never, obviously. It was always know. later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, um, yeah. So, uh, so you're, so your first, what was your first one? Or I, don't, I noticed that your book, your book goes alphabetical, you know, by, um, by the guests you have. Right. Right. Did you have like the early on interviews or do you remember that? Or does that stick out in I your head at all? Ali Marpet was probably. Well, that's chapter one. Yeah. He may have been the first or uh, Jehu Chesson. Mm -hmm. And then they were both pre COVID. Mm -hmm. um, and then Scherzer was online and he was. He was a challenge just because he would never sit down. You know, it took me, mm -hmm. he committed to it, but it took a year to get him time, to. Big time name. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, he just was an interesting, interesting guy. Had, yeah. Um, his his story about how he would, had those dogs and he had this electric <laughs> bike and he'd be zipping around his neighborhood or something, right? Yeah. Um, because the dogs need a lot of exercise, right? What sort of I forget the kind of dog he had. Do you remember? They're all mutts. Okay, but they needed he, he they needed to run. Right. Yeah, you know, I think he has four, maybe four or five, and one of them has a lot of dogs. Color eyes like he does. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's a lot of dogs. So he would have a he would. Uh, he's a, obviously a top tier athlete, but in order to give these dogs proper workout or whatever, he decides to have an electric bike, right? Yeah. And yeah. like that's how we'd walk the dogs, right? Yeah. And then Ju Chesson, what was your connection with him? He's from. Um, the, is he from I the area? It. Pardon me. Well, he was. He's not now. He's in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. um, I had a uh, connection through the bank. The bank sponsored. Uh, I guess they had baseball. Maybe they sponsored baseball. I don't know how he ended up. He's still I, playing in the NFL? Yeah, he was playing for the Redskins back then. Yeah. Is he still playing now? No. Yeah. Um, uh, it's such a thin line between success and, you know, making the team and not making the team. It's like, yeah. um, you know, he had a knee injury, would have been a number one pick, and then he ends up being a lower pick, and then he gets hurt again. Um, but you said it, you said it in the at the end of your book. I think uh, better lucky than good sometimes. And that was one of my dad's one of one of my dad's lines. Um, and then there's also the whole idea of like uh, luck is preparation meets opportunity sort of idea. But like in the NFL, we'll talk about to cash the biggest cash cow uh, of all the sports. Um, and it's just like, all right, if you're not the guy. With 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 exception of like a, an upper tier of like you know maybe twenty to twenty five in irreplaceable athletes in the NFL, right? But everyone sort of else like there's another guy that's pretty much just as good and maybe even could be better. You know, it's, it's like you're kind of a number. You know, it's yeah. not it's disingenuous, when but you're it's huge kind of business. Gone, they just cut the string. It's like Great. nice to see you. We, we're finished with your body. Give me another one. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. But, yeah. So, Ali Marpet, um, he was on the Super Bowl team. He was captain of the Super Bowl, mm -hmm. Tampa Bay, 
And then he retired at 26. Huh. Because of uh, is he nope. wanted to or because of injury? Yeah, he just, you know, no injury. I mean, I think it was He's done enough. anticipating that he wouldn't have a body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he uh, plays a ukulele. So you got to be able to keep doing that. Well, you know, I mean, it's such a strange image of a guy who's like 6'4", 320, <laughs> yeah, yeah. playing, you know, something that's like less than a foot long with strings. Of, right, right, right. <laughs> totally out of proportion. He should be yeah. playing the tuba right, or the double right. bass. Exactly. <laughs> or the drums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, yeah, his story is interesting because he's a, he's a Hobart grad like yourself. Right. Right. They used to That's call him Hobart at the combine or whatever because there's probably nobody else there. Hobart is very unusual to send someone uh, the direction of the NFL, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, he's he's a smart. He seems like a, a, a smart guy. You know, yeah. He got a head on his shoulders, and, and I'm not not kind of not surprised that um, at 26, probably like four or five years, I guess in the in the NFL, uh, Pro Bowl, Super Bowl winner, Pro Bowl, two time captain. It's like, all right, I think I'm good. I made a, a probably a serious chunk of money. Oh yeah, and I'm going to keep my body in my mind. Yeah, he, he's going else. back to uh, graduate school in counseling. Interesting. So that's that's right off, uh, right kind of what you you were into, yeah. right, professionally. Yeah. So you, um, your story is really interesting as well. Um, uh, so you went to Hobart for uh, for college, but. Before that, where'd you go to high school? I went to a lot of them. <laughs> Where's that? Is that? Uh, I started at St. Stephen's, then I went to Langley, and then I went away to school at Got it. It's called New Hampton. Got it. In New Hampshire. And then you're when you're you like tennis. You like that racket sport. Yeah. Um before the other racket sport took the thing, you know, took yeah. the day. Um so you went up there and you started playing tennis when you were at Hobart, correct? I played my freshman year. Yeah. And you're like, uh, that you weren't that into it or something. And I didn't like the coach. Look, okay. There you go. We looked over there and they said, those guys are having more fun. Did you, you, did you know, did you know the game of lacrosse before you got to Hobart? Yeah. My brother played who was right. three years younger than I. That's right. He went to Landon and, um, you know, I always, you know, I sort of thrown it around a little bit, but just seemed stupid to, if you were playing a varsity sport to give it up, to play something that you, we're going to stink it. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I certainly have regrets about that, but, you know, I couldn't have done any d differently. About what? what? You wish you started earlier or something? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, when I was coaching and, you know, when I was coaching, the kids who were, you know, 10, 11 years old had better sticks than I did. And I'm like, this isn't right. <laughs> you know, they've been playing for five years and I'd only been playing for three. Right. Right, right, right. So that's a lot of time on task, a lot of uh, throwing the ball against the wall. Yeah. Uh, which starts younger and younger these days, especially when, when oh, I, yeah. yeah. When I started, I started in seventh grade um, and I was like at modern day and right. I was like, I was big, I was fast, athletic. Um, and I'm like, I played, you know, as, as, my first year and I was value an asset to the team. Now you start in seventh grade. It's like, you know, you're, right. you're not going to make the team, you know? Right. right. Um, well, so, think about starting when you're a sophomore in college. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. But Hobart um, had 
uh, maybe a third of their team had never played before. Huh. I mean, it was all converted football players. So they would they would they play football in the fall and then play lacrosse in the spring? Yeah. Big fast run, strong. Yeah. And they Jim, all, Jim know, Brown types. Yeah, and they, you know, several of them turned out to be all Americans because they were great athletes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The um. So you were like, all right, uh, the coach didn't necessarily jive with him, the tennis coach, and so you went and. That's freshman. You played one year, right, of tennis, right? Which is a spring sport as well. Um, right. And then the next. So did you have? When did you have it in? You're like, I'm done with this. Did you start like trying to train lacrosse over like the summer and stuff like that uh, for the next school year. Yeah, did you I have it in your it mind at the end of the spring, like I'm done with tennis. I want to try lacrosse. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you picked up your lacrosse stick, like kind of for the first time ish, and then you did that, and then you it played a wooden stick. Yeah, the wooden stick, exactly right. Uh, those things that would, those things would hurt. Um, yeah. And uh, then and you, you did played. not want to break it because it's not like you could just pick one off the shelf and start with. You, there was a real breaking in process of a wooden stick. Yeah, and there are leather pockets. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like a baseball. It's like a baseball mitt. It takes time. Yeah. And then come all prefab. The um so. And your sophomore, you play the cross, right? right. Uh, um, for like the, for the J on, from the JV on the JV, right? Right. Um, so you play JV sophomore. Uh, you try. Then you were like, you almost got taken on this trip, but the coach didn't take you on the trip. And the coach was Urich, is that right? No, that was Schmidt. Okay. Um, and then your senior year, you're, you're finally like sort of like kind of broke through, or they they brought you up on the varsity. Was that right. under Urich? Uh, he was the defensive coach. Cool. Right. Yeah. And you loved it. I loved it. And I still love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a great game. Um, and, uh, and then when you got out of Hobart, you had a goal of, I wanted to maybe, I wanted to coach on the college level. Uh, and that happened like, like that, right? right. George, Georgetown, you, right? Right. Right. Right here. Georgetown university. Um, I guess was looking for a coach in 1980, right? Right. And they and you, so you stepped in. You're the head coach, just like that. You you check that one off the thing, uh, check that off the list, and you're the head coach there for two years where you got your masters, right? At uh, for in social work. Your came in maybe five years after me, mm-hmm. and I told him, I said, I set the table really low for you, so you can't <laughs> screw this one up. I'll make you look good. <laughs> <laughs> We we that, stayed we stayed alive because the team was it was a possibility they shut it down. Uh huh. Yeah, because it was a part time job, right? Yeah. The, the program was kind of fledgling. It's yeah. like kind of barely staying alive. Yeah. Um. Was it Division One sport then? Or was it club? No, it was. We were Division One. Got it. Um, we played you, know, you guys, I think. Play Duke. Yeah. Yeah. Um, got it. So that at that point, um, yeah, Georgetown, I guess, it's more a basketball school, which yeah. it still still kind of is. So Ewing was there. Oh um, yeah, Big that time. was a lot of fun. I believe it. I believe it. So you got your master's in social work, and you were so, and you were psycho, you were th- psychotherapist for how long? Forty years. Yeah. You don't. Do you still do any of that work? 
Yeah. You I closed enjoy- my door April 15th. This past year? Yeah. Oh, how about that? On tax day, huh? Yeah. I had to pick a day and I couldn't. <laughs> no, why not? Why not April 15th? Why not? Uh, would you, you like that line of work? I loved it. It was a great career. Gave me, I mean, every day was interesting and I had the flexibility to coach. So yeah. it was, you know, the best of both worlds. Yeah. Psychotherapist, is that the same? So that's more than just a therapist, correct? No. Or I mean, like you're, you're a therapist? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Did you, did you, did you uh, special, specialize in certain sort of groups of people or ages uh, or, or genders or? Um, or it doesn't really matter. I what I would what I always told people was I special. Well, what I don't want is anybody who's psychotic and anybody who has a substance uh, issue. But mm-hmm. having said that, you can't screen that on the phone. So they came in the door anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did a lot of kid work, a lot of family work, adult work, couples work. Um, I sort of. As I was at it longer, expanded my repertoire. Um, yeah, it's a long career. Yeah. Yeah, I, I sort of paused at the end and thought, I wonder how many people I've seen. Hmm. I have no idea. Hmm. No idea. Yeah. yeah. The, um, did, you, did you ever um um, I'm sure they're in that sort of line of work. You, uh, it's got to be intense. It's real, yeah. intimate. Um, would you like form relationships or like friendships, and or did, did, you, did you have make a strong effort to keep it like patient? Well, there was no doctor. Yeah, yeah. There's no out of the office experience. You never got invited to any of their weddings. Uh, I got invited to a funeral. Okay. <laughs> a grandmother's funeral. Uh, no, I never got invited to a wedding. I have I have a therapist, um, and uh, he, he's. I always like think like maybe I should if I I'm not married, but if I got married, I should invite him because he's helped me like so much. Oh <laughs> so, yeah. And help with relationship idea, relationships and people and all that stuff. Um, and then it's also yeah. like one of those guys I've, I've never. We meet like once a month for about an hour. Um, but uh, one of those guys, I'm like, one of these days, we got to get together and have like a beer or you know, have a bite to eat <laughs> and just you know, because it's I like, did it when I when I uh closed out, I took I only had like five clients left, yeah, and we I took them each out for lunch, and that was interesting, and it was also cool. um, it was very enlightening to ha- to sort of be with them in a different setting than my office yeah um and it was i never thought i would do that it just sort of happened um and it was a fabulous way mm-hmm. to sort of wrap things up i would think so for yeah. for you and for them yeah, yeah i would i would think that i mean in your line of work would you have a psychotherapist or therapist that you would talk to i have in the past i mean yeah. not because i was a therapist but yeah you know because i've had you know, it's a little bit like winners lose too. It looks like everything's golden, but yeah, no, no right. yeah. we happen to be people too. Right. Uh, exactly. We would in the office. We would talk sometimes about our kids. Like, wait a minute, we're supposed to know how to do this. Why mm-hmm. are we struggling? <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. 
Um, I would think that through that whole thing, you learn uh, in that line of work, you learn a lot about yourself while um, coaching these clients that you have, you know, it forces you to take stock in what you do. I remember when I used to teach at modern day, you can't necessarily like teach the 10 commandments in the morning and then in the evening go out and like, you know, uh, just paint the town red or something. It's like inevitably kind of like that. You're what you do sort of uh, uh, soaks into who you are marinates your soul um and that's sort of the person you become the um but like but back to the book um, matilda. is that the dog yep how's matilda matilda is checking to make sure there are no cars that are coming by <laughs> very good so bernie bernie wolf he's right. a he's a bethany guy yeah yeah is that how you guys is that how you guys came into contact yeah, he was just walking on the street. I didn't. I had all the time. Dog. This dog passed the house. Yeah, yeah. Um, you wouldn't I know that he was the first. He was. He's a capped goalie, the first in, in the franchise history, right? Yeah. Very yeah. unassuming. He's. Uh, do you know what he looks like? Yeah. Oh, okay. I yeah, mean, yeah. He's, he's my size. He's like five six. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. And I thought the whole idea of goalie—you want to take up a lot of the net. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but, you know, he's got a great story. I mean, in terms of, you know, he hated the games because he just gets so anxious and yeah. won't let his teammates down and practice was great. Um, yeah. And he, Absolutely. you know, the question, I mean, I always teased him about you're the perfect loser because it was a given you were going to lose when you got on the ice. Uh, just a question by how much talking about from the caps that they, they, they were lost a lot right is that what you're saying oh god they lost yeah they were his, lost. his record was 20 61 and 21 and right. the average goals i guess against was 4.17 which is kind of high <laughs> right, right right those are the ones that didn't hit them <laughs> exactly right i mean it's hard to <clears throat> i don't know how long his career was but as you said, like, okay, we're we're probably going to lose the game. And how do you lose a game? You put the rubber puck past me, but <laughs> you're the guy, you yeah. know, that uh, uh, oftentimes, uh, usually not in a fair way, falls on the goalie as like, as the rat or the hero. You can get the right. hero, but mo- mostly I think kind of the rat, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, to, to, you know, step in there night after night and know that, um, you're probably gonna lose. Yeah, <laughs> you're probably not gonna achieve the the goal of of winning. Right, um, but he did. He did make that comment uh, of. I'm looking at it right now. I think I know what you're gonna say about what's it like to be with the worst team in hockey. Oh, I, I'm looking at the one that says uh, there are 32 goalies and at a yeah, time, that and one. I'm one of the 32 best in the world. Right, that's not yeah. bad. That's a good one. Is that what you're thinking of, or is it not a different one? No, that's the one I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, did you have? Do you have, can you from your interviews? Um, can you ha- have like a common? Can you sum it up um, without giving away all the secrets of your awesome book? Like, was there like a a theme? You know, between these these great athletes that win and also they lose, as to how they dealt with it. I was surprised um, because there are categories. There aren't. It wasn't universal. Hmm. Um, like for Ollie, you know, 
he would say, you know, I could play the greatest game I've ever played in my life and we lose. Or I could play the worst game in my life and we win because mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. a guard. And, you know, he's got one eleventh of the job. Mm-hmm. Um, in the individual sports, like, um, you know, like um, Chris Binney or even with, um, you know, with Bernie, it, it's there's so much pain in losing that there's almost there's this drive that's based on the fear of losing that I there's a relief there's not a joy of winning there's a relief of not losing that's the same way with Ryan Conrad who played at UVA mm-hmm. um, and that you know I get it I get it as a motivation but to me that's sad uh, yeah that you know you can't enjoy the process um and then you know talking with the rowers i don't know what they're doing they're just like crazy (laughs) you know they're running out of running on lactic acid halfway through the race pain ish pain 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 and just like you know and and charlie altacruz would say i just it's a challenge to see if I can do this. Can I do it at the highest level, even though I have no energy, no juice? Um, does it come? Does it come to a point where you, you say you deem it? I mean, also your 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 psychotherapist background, it's deemed unhealthy. Um, how they uh, some of these athletes, their relationship with competition. Yeah, I I think. I'm not trying to put you on the spot and saying that you you know you know everything you know, but just your opinion. No, you know? but I think there's a, there's. I mean, I don't know if you can be the best without being a little bit crazy. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, but there's a cost, you know, and I think, you know, like Michael Jordan, I <laughs> yeah. he he's pretty good. He's pretty good, but now he has nothing. <laughs> I mean, he, he doesn't yeah. have any competition, so. He's lost. Yeah. He, uh, you see the last dance, that documentary, and certainly that came out right over COVID. I watched it all, and that's sort of what resonated kind of. Um, he's, he's crazy. Um, he's kind of has an addiction, um, to competition and also, and more so to, I would think, to winning. I think he needs winning more than the, the, so there's a there's a there's a common sort of uh, idea of like I hate losing more than I like winning, right? Um, but I think someone like Jordan, he just know he needs the winning at any cost, right? And losses don't even register; he just needs to win <laughs> to, to right. get his fix, right? And now um, he's doing it in gambling, which isn't. I mean, he can afford to do it, but right, know. right. But it's the same kind of addiction of competing um, you, get, you get him on get him in for the, your sequel book jordan right. <laughs> send him a letter you never know <laughs> that's, right. that's right never know until you do it that's why i should tell drew Brees what he missed out on <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll send him this podcast you know right. make him a little envious right. <laughs> give, him, give him a, a prick in the butt um yeah it's a whole idea of um playing 
like you said it again in your, I think in the end of your book, it's like the way I coach is like, we're going to have fun. It's not going to be fun all the time, but like fun needs to be an important, needs to be an element of joy. Right. I would think I'm, I'm in, I'm in the same philosophy as you. Um, and like, um, and to see it as like a, uh, I don't know something that you, you fear or you you're counting the minutes until the game's over such that you won't embarrass yourself and stuff like that. I mean, I've been there. I played at a high, high level of lacrosse and right. uh, there were times when I was just not happy and I would look at the clock and be like, I think I've had a pretty good game. Can the game just end now? <laughs> so I don't have the <laughs> potential of screwing it up, you know, right. um, I sort of been there, but then like if that, if you are there, then you got to like kind of take stock. And if that sticks around, I would think that feeling in you, that's like something needs to be maybe changed. Cause it's well, it can't not... be fun if you're walking around like that. Correct. So if you're not having some kind of fun, then right. Geez, some, something's of off, change something. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The, um, that's like you kind of touched on it right uh, just now, but like the individual sports. I mean, I remember I swam when I was a kid, and I would get so nervous before our before swimming uh, in the summer. You know, right. it's just the, the individual aspect of uh, everyone's looking at you. Right, you're not part of a, a team like one out of eleven, like the football analogy. Um, and is there, yeah. You have to be of the right mindset to be an individual athlete person. That's what I'm trying to say. When I when I talk to uh, or else Paige you're going to drive yourself nuts and you're not going to be happy. Right, Paige Madden, who swam in the Olympics, and she was. I you know I always ask them about being nervous or whatever, and she it was interesting because she said, "Yeah, I get nervous, but I learned very young how to turn that into positive energy to swim harder." Mm-hmm. And I thought that was. It gave me nice insight. Although she did talk about, uh, you know, panicking, running the swimming the miles, like, oh, I don't know if I can do this, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and found a way to cope with it. But, um, yeah, individually, you only have yourself. I mean, I'm uh, I'm rehabbing from a knee replacement, and I'm uh, learning to play the piano. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, ah, there's nobody to push me and nobody to yell at me. Nobody, this is all on me now, mm-hmm. you know. And you know, you hate your coaches, but they they get to yell at you instead of you yell at you. <laughs> You're right. I think it takes a special. I don't know if I have it or just like the. the accountable to yourself is is difficult you always get, get a better workout if you're like or run or whatever i find if i'm doing it with somebody you know oh, sure. and i'm always on time i could procrastinate right. with the with the best of them you know right um that if you're, you you got to kind of be there because somebody else is going to be there and then you feel like you gotta, you're responsible to somebody right, else right, besides right. your own decision making you know cool. it's funny how i'm just looking at uh page madden right here um, and it says, I pace myself off others. So without them, I am not as, as driven or as good. Right. You know, but, and it's like, a, it's like a, uh, a, an interesting paradox that like you want to compete against others, but I think the most of a healthy way to do it is to compete with yourself and to be your best self. But in order to reach that goal, others certainly help you to, 
um, well, get there. You know, yourself if you don't have somebody else. This is true. This is true. Uh, but if you get so consumed about like I need to be Tom or Harry or you know or just like um I think that's uh, that's going toward an unhealthy thing um if that's if that's your your end or your king um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. you know uh but yeah Thomas Edison <laughs> I can never find the thing that does the job best until I find the ones that don't isn't he, he Edison invented the light bulb, correct? Yep. And he's like, I, I fail a thousand times, but then that thousand and first time, I mean, the light bulb goes on. You know, I only use it as failures. I use it as like experiments. Yeah. Something like that. And it's such a different, I mean, the impact on you internally is so different. I mean, it's not about you. It's like, oh, okay, that didn't work. Let's try this. You know, no biggie. So, it's the process. Um, I, here's the Edison quote that I, that I botched. Um, I have not failed. I have just found the 10,000 things that don't work. But it's if he didn't do the 10,000, would he have gotten to the light bulb? You know what I'm saying? Right. So right. It, all, it all points to like everything is kind of necessary, even if it might be unpleasant in the moment. You know? Yeah. And then Ali uh, Marpet, uh, your approach is much more important than the outcome. Like, I think that's right. <laughs> and there's that quote <clears throat> I was thinking of yesterday uh, by Rudyard Kipling, the if poem, you know, and it's like, um, it says that if you can meet uh, victory and defeat with sort of and treat both of those impostors the same, mm. then you become a man, my son. Um, it's just kind of like all this different sort of life advice, but the idea of a win and a loss are like, what are they even? There are obviously things to be recognized for, and you can be written up maybe in an article or something. But if you lose, you're certainly not going to be. You're forgotten. Um, but what are they even? They could be. It, it could be imposters because you know a loss could be life changing thing that really, really catapult you in a really positive direction. You know, and a loss and a win can do the opposite. You know. Well, it's uh, Blake Haxton, the guy who lost his legs. Yeah. Blake yeah. Haxton, yeah. That's a loss. <laughs> yeah. It's uh before becoming ill, the six foot three, hundred and ninety pound Blake could bench two hundred and forty pounds too much later. He left the hospital at uh, three foot six and hundred and ten and was only able to lift one pound because he had he has his legs taken off, correct? Right. Damn. But you wouldn't know it talking to him. Yeah, because uh, he's dealt with lit like literal, literal, literal loss. I mean, if you lose a game, you can't like put your finger on or touch a game. But he's done have legs, and uh, has uh, you know maybe an argument could be made if he's like having if his life is pretty good now, then he's better off. Um, but it's not I'm, I'm not in his shoes, right? But we never know. Never know. Did um so. It's interesting that you come up with this awesome idea of like, all right, I think it's, I think you're, it's correct when you say that you feature, I remember my college coach would be like, you know what? We win and I get calls. We don't, we lose and nobody wants to talk to me. Um, <laughs> it's lonely. And it's like, right. I think Lars Tiffany's like, there's the brooding, there's a brooding that comes with loss. 
Um, right. And you learn another, you learn, you can learn more about yourself and your team, but more like yourself when you lose, because you're so, if you're a competitor, you're pretty introspective and you're going to take inventory of like a lot. Um, and they're talking about NFL recently. I'm like, all right, if you win the game by a point, you come in the next day <clears throat> to the film room and you you're highlighting mistakes, but you're like, okay, you're learning, but you can kind of laugh it off because you won the game. Right. If you lose the thing by a point, everyone comes in with glum faces and you're going to point out that same error and it's going to feel like a thousand daggers, you know, right. there's no one's laughing, <laughs> you know? Um, but I don't even know where I was going with that. Uh, but, um, Oh yeah. Um, so going into the, so you came up with this idea and then, uh, then the pandemic happened about a year later, I guess. Right. So January 19, uh, that's when like that, uh, Drew Brees thing or the saints thing right. happened. And then the next year is when COVID descended in 2020. Right. right? Um, at that point <clears throat> it says it took you about three years to write this book. Right. Right. Um, cause you just, when did you get it published just recently? October. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and, uh, so in 2020, yeah, January, uh, March, I guess I remember teaching and in spring break, it's like, all right, see you in the week. People were like, nah, I think it's going to be more than that. And I'm like, okay, I'll see you, you know, in a couple of weeks, <laughs> see you never, I mean, see you in a couple of years. <laughs> you know? Um, so how did you, did that help your, you, cause you, you did, you quarantined down at the beach, correct? With your daughter. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was it was perfect because I could write and I could interview over the phone. Yeah. So, you know, it was the best of both worlds. I mean, I, I would have preferred to have done it in person. But, you know, in terms of COVID and having an opportunity to keep the ball moving. Um, you know, you might be able to get more people because uh, if they if they just consent to a phone call, um, it's easier instead of like travel and arrangements and stuff like that. Yeah, in an ideal world, you want them to, everyone to teleport and be in, in the same place because it's more of a pure uh, relationship or interaction process. Uh, but uh, it's it's good enough, you know. Yeah. Would you do so? Would you do phone calls with these people, or would you do zooms, or or? I did both. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever I could come up with. Yeah. Um, and it's it, interesting, not not all of them, but a number of them, I sort of have this friend relationship with now. It's sort hmm. of like, um, you know, they're, they're pushing the book and they're, uh, excited about it and you know i'll check in with them about x and y and they'll get back to me and um so it sort of forged some relationships that obviously i wouldn't have had it's it's kind of similar to your practice perhaps of like you know you uh not like you become friends with all your clients, but you you're you're bearing yourself, and vice versa. You're telling your story to the person, and you have a, it's usually a cathartic experience, you know, a positive yeah. experience at the end. And you're gonna rem, it's gonna rem, he, you you're gonna stick out in these people's heads as like a positive a, a positive force, you know. Um, 
that will stick with their consciousness, their psyche. Um, it's it's similar to sort of what I've been sort of doing with this podcast. As people do, uh, I, my I, my hope is for people to tell their story as truthfully and as human um, and as triumphant and, and flawed and whatever at, um, all at once, you know. Um, and by doing that, <clears throat> I feel like if I know the person, especially if I've known the person for a little while, it's like you enter in another, a deeper level of relationship with that person. Um, I mean, if not, like, you know, when I see you probably on the beach, it's going to be like more, more of a, a more meaningful interaction, you know? Sure. Right. The, um, so you, yeah, did, um, before COVID, I guess you, you were able to do some of the stuff in person, right? Is that right, what you're saying? Right. Right. And then uh, <clears throat> down there, how, do you have like an approach to your writing? Did you have like a routine? Do you like writing in the morning or X amount well, of time? I, or I, uh, I did a lot of writing in my head when I was swimming. Hmm. So that's uh, what you do for workout. Yeah, and I, you know, things would come to me, and I just, and then I'd come home and I'd write them down, and you know, work from there. Um, so most of them sort of came to me. If if I could feel a real strong connection or, you know, there was, I don't know, juicy story, but whatever. We're really easy to write. I mean, not to get them perfect, but to get, you know, to get the story down. Mm -hmm. um, and occasionally I'd have to work at it, but not, I, it just sort of, I do a lot of my thinking or my writing, not when I'm at the typewriter or the computer. I, it's more either I'm biking or in the shower or swimming, like, because I need to take my mind off of what I'm doing. Uh, and it's ironic yeah. how that works. You know, it's, it's, when you, when you intentionally, or try to find things to occupy your time or to do that uh, you're doing that in order. You need a break from your writing and that's when your ideas come, you know, right. Right. not when you're not sitting at the, when you're sitting at the keyboard, you know, it's like Murphy's law, you know, right. <laughs> the, um, I often have, when I work out, I like to run. That's my chief sort of thing. Um, knock on wood, my, my body, everything's holding up. Good for you. Yeah. And like, I, whatever it is maybe it's an increase of blood flow to the brain <clears throat> maybe it's that i'm not i don't have a screen in front of me i don't have anything else to do i don't listen to music i just kind of run just take it all in and what, what let whatever hits me hit me you know um that i have really uh some of my best sort of ideas um right. outside the box thinking somewhat of solutions to different problems or, or whatever just like just the ideas um but i finished the run and i was like oh my gosh number one i got a great workout but number two it's like what great therapy mental sort of uh exercise yeah. you know that sometimes you don't you, you forget about you know and i when i wonder afterward i'm like what was i even thinking about like procrastinating or you know what well, i gotta i should do this every day you know <laughs> Right. One of the more, more healthy, healthy things, but I won't. <laughs> and I'll have the same conversation the next day, you know? Yeah. But swimming is such a kind of a unique exercise such that you're in an alien. It's kind of like you're in an alien world. You're underwater, you know, and you're not seeing any trees or any people necessarily. It's just like you and your thoughts. Right. You know, well, it's, it's, 
okay, I've got 35, 40 minutes of this. How am I going to do that? Yeah. And so yeah. if I can go someplace else and have, you know, I can have a lot of fun with it. Mm -hmm. You know, once, once I get into that world, I can swim forever. Mm -hmm. I'm not even thinking about swimming. Right. It's like the first step's the hardest idea. Once you, yeah. once you start doing it, once I'm, once I'm like in like the first like half mile or something, I'm just like I'm oh, in a, yeah. a routine. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, sometimes it's like, I got to force myself to stop or I'm going to really feel the next day, you know? Yeah. Dude, so um, when you swim, when you swam down there, would you go to a pool down in Bethany? Cause you wouldn't. No, no I swim down the beach. Swim in the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. Even in the cold. Uh, you put a wetsuit on. No, I don't do it in the winter. Yeah, uh, yeah. maybe that's when you actually, bike. Actually, you know, the cold feels great because it feels great on my joints. Mm. So I like as long as I don't get a headache. Uh huh. I like that. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Uh, it it's like two, warm two birds, one stone. Not as, I don't swim as fast when it's warm. It feels good, but it feels good. <laughs> it's more you just want to hang out in a bathtub right marinate so do any like when you're any like funny stories about any of these folks or uh or any, any of them like kind of like i don't know like mean or was it unpleasant any of these people are sitting down and, and telling their stories no they were um unbelievably gracious and willing to you know sit down and talk with me um, I think the, you know, it, it runs the gamut. I mean, like, um, um, Mickey King, um, I, mean, I have the book open to her right now. This is weird. Yeah. I mean, yeah. she's her, the ending of her story. She obviously she's won an Olympic gold, um, for diving mm -hmm. after three different tries. Um, and then they, uh, write her name wrong on the, uh, metal. Mm -hmm. So she's trying to get it fixed. And the engraver says, it's easier for you to change your name than it is for us to change the engraving. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, that was fun. Yeah. Um, you know, Daria Jurak is growing up during the Serbian war and she's going out to hit between bombings. Um, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, this guy, Michael Wardian, mm -hmm. the runner. I was following him. So yeah. <coughs> excuse me, that his initial goal of running across the United States, right? He did it. Uh, he got that got poo pooed by the pandemic, and then he just did it. He just did. It. I I read an article about him in like the the the, the beach coma or something, right? And but then he's done two hundred and fifty marathons. When I talked to him, and can you imagine? No. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I yeah, but I and I watched a video of him, and it seems like he doesn't run. He's not doesn't seem stiff. I would imagine after all those hours and those pounding, he'd be running like a, like a tin man. Um, but he was running some remarkably athletically. 
Yeah. When he finished his run, like that's what I saw the clip of him finishing into the Atlantic Ocean right down in, I think, Rehoboth somewhere. Right, right. Because right. um, that he just fit, did that, finished that over the summer, I think. Right. Yeah, no, I saw him just before. I saw him in, in uh, uh, Arlington and he was doing the last whatever. That's right. 100. 100 and something miles. Because your interview with him was before he undertook that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there's that story during uh, COVID where they had a race. Around the block or something? Yeah. For 60 hours. Yeah. 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 Where is that? Uh, I kept seeing the same thing. Like, remember that? that movie, uh, National Lampoon's European yep. Vacation, <laughs> Big yep. Ben Parliament, Big Ben Parliament, and they keep running, going around in the circle in the cul-de-sac. Yeah, he did it uh, right around his neighborhood or something. Yeah. Laps and laps around the same, past the same thing. Here it is. Uh, lives in Arlington, Virginia, ran his race around his neighborhood block, and in 62 and a half hours, he ran uh, 262 times around the block. 62 and a half hours maintaining the race requirement uh, of uh, four plus miles per hour. That's when he was uh, trying to do what? Trying to do the quarantine backyard ultra run. Is that right? Yeah. Right. It's hard, to, it's hard to keep up. Yeah. Did um some of these, some of these folks are like, all right, after you t- write your thing or you have an interview with them, you're like, you get up and be like, I need to work out now. <laughs> you, you get motivated. Uh, Sometimes I do that. Cause I follow some of these, like the rock or something like that on Instagram, right. on social media. And like you post some workout. I'm like, I need to do it. I was planning on not working out today, but I'm going to now. No, I don't. I no, I don't think I translated it into that. Yeah. I just enjoyed yeah. it. was so such rich conversations yeah the willingness to talk to me and my like wow these guys are actually talking to me um right their stories are just you know obviously none of them are the same even if it's the same sport uh, right it's um you have to like if you're Playing, I think the wonderful thing about playing athletics is it's, it's like it's it's athletics even at the highest level, like LeBron James. But I don't know, I'm I'm not in his shoes. But I would the argument could be made that it's the, the athletic is secondary to the, the life training that you receive from the whole from your relationship with your sport. Um, that would and, be the best outcome. Yeah, no, it is the best outcome. Um, if you if you can re- maintain a healthy relationship um but like in that process of trying to um to win and be your best athlete and everything um there's so many lessons that you call and you learn whether you know it or not uh, and maybe the most important lesson I, I would think is to know the, the knowledge of yourself self-knowledge knowing yourself better stepping into a higher iteration of understanding you um, by means of the training and the games and the wins and the losses. This is a convoluted way of me saying that I would imagine that your conversations with these people would be very rich uh, and, and, and real um, because of all the crap that they went through 
all the training. I say crap in a, in a crude way. The whole. Matilda. <laughs> We have a little Matilda um, tending to situation going on here. Is here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's, I would I would imagine these are really, really interesting people to talk to. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, I, I not a surprise. The ending has a cellist in it. So, you know, part of the goal was this is not about sports. Right. This is about life. Right. Um, Who's the cellist? Michelle uh, Jovic. Uh, She's in the uh, after upon further review. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you know because she's going through the same thing with auditions, correct? Or performing, correct? Um, and so part of the the oh, there there it is yeah yeah yeah. Um, you know is like. You know, it's obvious winning and losing is obvious in sports, but it's it's universal. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. everything mm -hmm. you do, there's winning and losing. You put yourself out there, and sometimes you get the job, and sometimes you don't. It's uh, just it just happens that um, more eyeballs are attracted toward athletics, hey. perhaps than um, playing the cello. It's not fair. Such so goes life, though. I bet that's no, you're fine. You're totally fine. Um, so let me ask you a question. Um, sure. Would you, uh, you, uh, you want to write? Want to keep? Do you want to keep this project going? What does that mean? Do you want to write more about? Do you want to interview more people? Me write another book? Yeah, or like winners lose two, and then number two, <laughs> like a sequel, or like um, a follow up. You want? Uh, is your work done? Because it's like every, as you say in the beginning, everyone can stand alone as its own sort of relationship right. with sports and life, you know? So right. you could go on forever doing this, you know, that's kind of like right. one thing with my podcast. I want to keep going because I want to keep on hearing the stories. Right. Uh, but writing as you are well aware is a lot more difficult than talking. Um, right. Like I'm do we're doing right now. Right. Um, it takes time, it takes effort, it takes money, you know? Yeah, I don't think, um, you know, if, if it, Matilda, if and it's, it fell into my lap, I would, I probably would, but I'm not, um, in my head, my next, if I write another book, it's called Life is Not a Straight Line, mm -hmm. and it's about people who, um, you know, they were, like there's a guy who uh, is a friend of a friend who went to MBA school and was making a fortune on Wall Street and just pulled the plug. And now he's uh, a linesman putting up wires for uh, telephone poles. Mm -hmm. So I, that's sort of, if I go in that direction, it's sort of like people who have, are walking left and all of a sudden something changes. And now they're way over here. Not, you know, some of it's by choice. Um, there's yeah. a guy who whose son had like 40 lawns he was cutting, came to his dad and said, how many do I have to get so we can start a business? And he said, 100. 
The guy was in radio production, and uh, he came back two months later with a hundred. And Dad said, "Okay, I'll quit." And they huh. started a, a landscaping business. Unconventional sort of ways, or the the journey of life is not a straight line. Exactly yeah, right. like you said, you know. Right. Right. Yeah, different sort of approaches to because there's no wrong idea, you know. No. Um. It's everything. I think, as you said, I think in your book, it's like it's not a. It's just, everything's just different. Everyone has their own relationship with a lot of things, and one of those right. things is winning and losing. Um, and you got to sort of figure it out for yourself with the help of others, the help of these stories, and the help of like mentors and parents and such. But at the end of the day, you got to author your own sort of uh, take on everything, really. Uh, what would be as you as you finished your book with upon further review, it would be interesting <clears throat> to 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 do it from the take of like the cellist or the um of the businessman or the entrepreneur or right. you know those like the non sport approach to exactly this you know yeah no that's uh, true too but there is an there is an accessibility in athletics. Um, you know, it's they're, it's obvious. More of, it's more of a public thing. It, it, thank you. It's obvious. Yeah. Everyone yeah. sees it. It's on TV. You know, you right. can't argue it. Right. It's black and white. Yeah. Yeah. Not Lost behind the, the, you know, business room or. Correct. Tell the story of some sort of company failing, but it's like, okay, I guess I'm going to take your word for it. But, you know, I saw this from this athlete on TV and he walks off the field and he's crying or she's crying or whatever. And how do you deal? How did you deal with that? You know? Right. It's raw. It's raw, you know, yeah. human emotion. Are you working on anything right now? Are you writing anything? So once you you're finished your your book and everything, um, you published it in October. Do you find like I miss writing, or do you just write for yourself now? Um, for, no, like, reflect. You know, I'm not a writer by nature. I mean, I have a mm -hmm. blog that's called "While I Was Listening," which is a compilation of stories. Some are fun, some are sad, some are things that I've just heard people tell stories about. Um, but, um, I mean, now I'm just trying to figure out how to get this book into as many people's hands as I can because I want, I think it's a good book and I think it's got, it's fun to read and it's got good um, vibe to it. Um, I, think I agree. And I, you know, that's a challenge in terms of how do you let the world know about it? I mean, I can do pretty good around the DC area, but, um, you know, I just like for people to have access to it. Yeah. Did, uh, so your blog, how long have you been writing your blog? Years. Huh. So you, how often do you post? Not that often. I have, you know, it's sort of like you have to wait for a story to hop up. It's not like I can make stories up, um, but they're they're good too. I mean, they obviously all stand by themselves. Um, mm -hmm. So when you write, uh, while I was listening, are they is it uh, autobiographical? Is it uh, it's not a narrative? Is it not a narrative? It's just your take on whatever it might be, right? It's not my take. It's I'm I am describing either something that happened to me or something that I saw, or some a story that somebody told me about. Interesting. Um, Interesting. 
and and you know it, it's uh, a lot of them are, are funny. Some you know, there's one about a breakup. There's um, that, that could turn into a, a book. Oh yeah, that, oh yeah, it it could be a book. Um, if you go back and look through all your posts and everything, and do a sort of yeah. compendium. Yeah, no, it 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 would it the stories are compelling too. Mm-hmm. I believe it. Yeah, I believe it. So, I mean, all right. So, it's a good time of year to be talking about this book because, like, there are going to be stockings hung by the chimney with care really soon, and this could be a right. great stocking stuffer. Right. Or right. Go under the light size for or under the Christmas tree. Yeah. Right. Maybe both. Right. I'm going to. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, yeah. So hopefully. Yeah. Uh, yeah. People should need to hear about this book. It's because it's. Um, I think, yes, uh, certainly for like kind of our area, uh, it resonates because there's a handful of names that are kind of local ish. Um, right. But it doesn't really matter. As you said earlier, it's like it's just a, it's a universal theme. Doesn't matter necessarily who the, the person is or where they're from or whatever. Um, yeah. Uh, any other? We can keep going. And or any of any other thing that we've, we've maybe missed or you want to talk about, Tom? Um. No, I don't. It was fun. <laughs> there was hardly any work in it. Oh, that's you know um, you're doing something right you know yeah i was um some of them in this book club and um and they're not there's some of them are not easy books um and uh and this lady just said, said to me this morning she's like all right if you, you gotta make sure you're enjoying this because if you're, you're doing something for recreation you have to there has to be fun has to be present you know like you said about coaching it's gonna be fun maybe not all the time but right. like some it's gonna there's gonna be some struggle but like the fun's got to outweigh the 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 drudgery yeah um and uh sometimes i mean i really enjoy writing um and uh and i'll finish writing I'll write for a couple hours or something and i feel like infused or like i've just got like i don't know oxygen just like been you know, sent into me somehow and i feel i don't know jazz fired up you know um when it comes out well yeah really good yeah you're in the zone and then sometimes you're doing you're writing and then you look up and it's like oh my gosh 90 minutes just went by or something like that time he goes fast i think um when i write or whatever you just kind of like you slip time in a way because you just kind of enter this relationship or zone with you and your ideas and the paper you know I think I think those sort of experiences in life should be maybe sought out, you know, um, or figure out the things that do that for you, because um, they're probably things that are close to your soul or like you know, and it's different for everybody, right? You know, so I think it's our own sort of. I would recommend that as a homework assignment for people. Um, well, and this was you know, like all the stars aligned. It's sports, which I live for. It's interviewing people, which I had, you know, 40 years of experience. It's true. And, uh, and you got your, we got writing ability when you, you and your dad did the writing and everything. And right. So it just sort of like, you know, why not? Why not? Um, see what happens. And then you got, 
you know, all your life experience that behind you as a, as the, as the fuel to the engine, you know, there's another, there's another quote philosophy can, can be wasted on the youth. Um, Cause you, everything's you know, wasted on the youth. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you get a little older, it's like, ah, I'm uh now I have all this knowledge, but it's hard for me to get yeah. around. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it, it's a little bit frustrating to know what you know and like you can't just hand it over to somebody. Yeah, right, right. Um, <clears throat> but it is the joy of coaching. It's sort of like you get to see people learn, oh, if you do this, you do that, this happens and committing to it and having positive return on your investment. That's pretty exciting. Amen to that. You got you've gotten good feedback from this book thus far. I've gotten great feedback. It's wonderful here. Uh, uh as you should. Yeah, I mean it just um it would it would it would go go ahead, finish your thought. Well, I keep, you know, the people, uh, Mickey King and Bernie Wolf, you know, both got back to me and, and loved it and have wanted to give it to their grandchildren and the lessons and um, other people have been compelled by the stories. Kids that I coached, um, you know, are, are, you know, thrilled by it. Um and the only uh, criticism I got was somebody found a uh, typo. Your son, probably. You're kidding me. As many times as we look through this thing, you found a typo. It's so hard to find everything, especially your eye. Probably yeah. obviously have an editor, and you can. I would submit it to like many, like um, what do they call it. Um, uh, critical eyes you know yeah. as possible that are adept at, at writing and reading you know it's like so many times like i just finished this paper um on hamlet i'm taking these grad graduate classes and <laughs> how many times i'm like every there's two reallys you know back to back but you just your eye just jumps over the second one you know or it's like like to be or there's no b in there it's like it's it just your 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 brain plays tricks on itself <laughs> Right. Your well, eyes somebody told me because I was talking about it the other day, and maybe this will work. I'm not going to have to use it for a long time. If you turn the paper upside down, yeah, then your have to really look at every word. Yeah, then your brain doesn't assume. Yeah, or you read it backwards. I I think I heard that one time. Right. You just yeah, yeah. But it's all, you can do that, or you can do, you can read upside down, or read it upside down, or you just have like your daughter read it, right? <laughs> or you have your editor read it, right. you know, and right. it's like, hey, and if it's if it's not, it's not only my fault now, okay? It's everyone's this sharing one, this responsibility, proofreaders. <laughs> yeah, I don't, you know, got. I mean, it was amazing how many times we went through it and still found things. Mm -hmm. like, and it's a. There's another quote about writing. It's like it's not, the books you as an author. It's, it's never complete. It's just done or something like that. Cause you could rework any sentence or paragraph an infinite amount of times. Right. And you think that the one you just did like the 17th 
time of reworking the phraseology or whatever is better than like the 10th or the first. And it, maybe it's not, <laughs> but, and then you look at the next day, you're like, no, I got to go back to the original because like it, you're different and you're looking at it through eyes a, a day later with, I don't know, maybe you're in a bad mood or maybe you're in a great, you know what I'm saying? There's just, you bring to the work, everything that's behind you. Um, uh, and it, it messes, it can mess with you. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to hit print. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, well, I, that's I, sort of where I got to the end of the book. It's sort of like, okay. Um, you know, nothing's, there's nobody out there that's saying they want to be interviewed or I can, I can connect. So let's, let's move it on. Yeah. So you got to, do you have like a number that you wanted to hit? Like, I don't know how many interviews you have in here. Probably 25, like 20, 21. Yeah. No, I didn't really. It just felt, it felt right or something. Yeah. I mean, well, I never, I never dreamed I would get all these people. Yeah. You know, so it was, it was, you know, if I never published it, you know, I was having fun. Yeah. As you said. Yep. I mean, my only commitment was, you know, I'd interviewed these people. So I felt like I had to publish it. Yeah. They keep asking you like, all right, when's this book? Is this book still a thing (laughs) from like your first couple of interviews? It's like three years later or like every so often they'll probably think of Tom. What's Tom doing? (laughs) Is this been to the scrap heap? You know, but no, you're right. You're hundred percent correct. So there's accountability to yourself. It's not just you writing your memoirs or something right. uh, or you writing your blog. Yeah, maybe I'm going to post this. Maybe I'm not. There's somebody else. Right, involved. There's nobody else involved in those. Somebody things. else involved. Exactly. Right. Yeah. The, um, with the, any of them, like <laughs> when you're, um, I mean, you talk with like Max Serger or like, is there any of them like you got, you get nervous or about or. Serger. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. the only one, and that was all in my head. I mean, he was, I'm know, sure. easy, yeah. but it was sort of like, um, I don't know. He was Max Scherzer, and so, yeah, you're around somebody that's really famous, right? Yeah, and uh, you know, and I, you know, you, not only it, famous wasn't the issue; it was the intensity. Yeah, those eyeballs. The eyeballs, and you know how he would stalk around the back of the mound, and. Uh, yeah, you know, there was no. Uh, you were the you were the hitter, and he was the, the the pitcher or something like that. Yeah, yeah. You didn't want to get hit by one of his pitches. No. But a very, yeah. you know, very nice guy. I believe it. Um, it's too bad to see him. He's not on the on the Nats anymore, right? No, he's on the Met. The uh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's the Mets this year. Okay. Um. Yeah, how about the? Um, I know you're uh, you like Washington sports, uh, yeah. and the Commanders are tearing it up, huh? Oh my god! How fun are they to watch? Yeah, it's mind-boggling, but they are fun to watch. Um, They're getting it done. They're winning by hook yeah. or by crook, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's like they're they're doing obviously what needs to be done to win. Their opponents are. A little bit middling right now. Um, yeah. They're not like they're playing the Bills or the the Chiefs or whatever. It doesn't really matter. No, um, we don't want to. We can't play any of those guys until the Super Bowl. So that's just, good. It's going to keep them over there in the AFC. Right. <laughs> um, but it's to, to stay on this for a minute. It's so amazing. I think that talk about the stars aligning. I mean, I feel bad for um, the quarterback. What's his name that got hurt? Wentz. 
his Wentz. He hurt his finger and such, and he seems like he's healthy-ish now. But he went down. Heineke steps in. I've always loved Heineke. People have always loved Heineke, but he's right. like he's he's good. He's not talent-wise on the level of some of these other quarterbacks, but he's so easy to, to cheer for. And he's like he's he's smallish. He's like white. He's got these tattoos. He got overlooked and all this stuff. Um, so he's easy to sort of get behind. Um, and then you couple that with like the Schneider news of like selling the team. <laughs> it's like the perfect storm in a good way of just right, like right. And the energy behind the uh, Washington is just uh, something that, w- that hasn't been around. I don't know, 20 years, you know, 20 years ever, ever since the Schneider era. I mean, even, even in the Schneider era with, we had, had good teams with like Clinton Portis, Smoot and some of these other guys. And they would make RG three, they would make runs, but something just, as so I think has always kind of seemed off. Uh, because it starts with the top, um, and it's like we're these are false, whatever. Pre- they're, they're they're we're winning, but we're something. It's not as fulfilling as it would be if, if it was ran like a false peak on a mountain. Thank you, false summit. Exactly right. And now it's like it seems to me that you know if, 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 I think the I think I think uh, people if people are saying it or not, I don't know. But I think it should be said that a lot, a lot of this can be credited to um, change, um, foreseen sort of change of, of the leadership of the organization um, yeah. has just given everyone an injection of um, like psych- psychological boost energy um, and the players <laughs> and the fan, everything. It's like, right. We're going to leave some of this stuff behind. Now we can just play football. Freeing. Exactly right. It's, it's freeing. As Warren Sapp used to say, I play a kid's game for a king's ransom. Oh, boy. Well done. Dude, yeah, it's, it's got to be fun, you know, these guys. So it's like to be able to play for the joy of a child. Right. That's got to be key to success. Um. All right, my friend. Um. I don't have anything else. Uh, right. I, I really enjoyed our chat. And yeah, uh, so if people want the book, yeah, and they want me to sign it, yeah, they can just go to thomasoberdorfer.com. Thomasoberdorfer.com is your uh website, or yeah, cool. And so then I'll, I'll order it through the website, yeah, because then yeah. I'll mail it, you know, I'll mail it with a signature or a note or whatever. No, they can also email you at tom at thomasoberdorfer.com, correct? Right, that's your email. Right. Um, and this information, I'm going to put it when I put put up the, the podcast and all, um, which I'd like to do sooner than later. Um, so we can get it out there and get it under the tree and in stockings. <laughs> I got I got some grandkids. And I, th- and I think that like the way it's written, you know, <laughs> talk about like a great uh, like sort of bedtime story. Oh, yeah. You know, that that sort of approach and like uh, adolescent kids, you know, like in our area, that's hyper. Uh, injected with this like win 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 and everything's fast paced and such just to, to keep perspective on um the whole process um and uh which you drive home you know that winners lose too and we didn't even talk about Lars Tiffany <laughs> and I liked I liked the story with him about um cutting down all the trees yeah yeah because he's from Buffalo right and I imagine there's more trees up in Buffalo than there's central Virginia 
Well, there are plenty of trees, but nobody needs them as firewood. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're not they're not as essential. Right. Unlike unlike Buffalo, where there's they're probably still digging out snow from that big snowstorm. Right. Yeah. Anyway. All righty. Cheers, my friend, and I'll uh, I'll see you uh, at the beach. Beach. You got you going down anytime soon? No. Not that I know of. You know. Is the house all uh, kind of like winterized or whatever? Yeah. So when would you when would you go down? Do you typically go down in the off season much or no? No, too much. It's I gave up on going Friday and coming back Sunday. Yeah, it's not doesn't feel good. Yeah. So if I can't get three days down there, it's not, not worth it. So you're still in you're still in Northern Virginia, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you're retired from right? that. Yeah. Right, yeah. you're, you're writing, and you still work with kids. You still coach. I'm still coaching. Yeah, at Potomac. I'm coaching squash at Potomac and lacrosse at Georgetown Day. That's awesome. You like squash, huh? I love it. You, can you still play? Yeah, as soon as my knee heals, I'll be. Get back your knee back. healed up. Yeah. yeah. I heard like these get these new knees and joints and such. It's like a new lease on an active lifestyle. Oh my god. How much longer do you think till you can uh, do some of that stuff? Uh, maybe two weeks. Two weeks comes fast. How long? When was your surgery? October 10th. Okay. So it's been a little while. Been a process. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not far. So when is, squ- is squash a winter sport? Yeah. So you're coaching right now? Yeah. Cool. How's the team? Not very good. <laughs> yeah, you got to get that coaching staff going. Yeah. Well, they're coach young. Them, coach them up. So maybe they'll grow into it. So this is squash at Potomac, correct? Yeah. On the high school level? Yeah. Cool. And then you'll, you're over at GD at Georgetown Day, correct? Right. Coaching lac- lacrosse in the spring? Yeah. Cool. That's that's uh, a whole different experience. How long have you been there? I think it's in my fourth year. Yeah. Uh, do you like it better than Potomac or different? No, or, I no. do not. I mean, it's not competitive, and they're not serious about it. Right. But my niece's kids go there, so that's why I went over there. That's cool. So you get so to coach your coach your uh, niece or niece's kids. Niece's kids. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. that'll work. That'll so, work. I'll keep you out of trouble enough. Yeah. You still work with, um, didn't you volunteer with like uh, tutoring and such? Yeah. Down at Patterson Elementary School. Yeah. You still do that at all? Yeah. It's uh, down in Anacostia. That's... Is it Keeps public school? In touch with the real world. I'd say so. Is it public school? Yeah. Patterson Elementary. Yeah. It's uh, Ward 8. And, uh, it was one of the worst schools before this principal came in, and she came in at the same time. I well, I followed her, and I think that's ten or twelve years now. And she's one person can make a difference. Oh boy, hmm. she's you do it. You you stay you stay busy. You know, right. um, you, you do a lot. You know, a lot of good stuff you put into the world. Um, so, cheers to you, man. 
Yeah. Um, and we got little Dave Matthews here. <laughs> Satellite. On the way out. Play us out. Yeah. Beautiful song, man. Oh, it's a great song. Thank you again, Tom, for your time and for, All right, thank you for having me. writing your book and just being you and bearing your, your uh, everything. So uh, you're a great example um, to for you know how you're a great, great example, a role model. So cheers. I'll see you soon. All right. Thank you. Yep. Good. Bye bye. Oh hi. Um, this is Billy Garish here getting the last word, I guess. Um, that was the Billy Garish experiment. So I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Um, please do uh, stay tuned. Check it out where passion meets curiosity. Tell your story. Speak your passion. Billy Garish experiment. LLC. Bye.